This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 171. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 171 we are doing the Challenge Teapots for June 2019. This is of course Movie Club and this is the listener reviews for the last selection of an Antipodean horror jaunt. That's right, for the last couple of months we've been looking at Australian and New Zealand based horror movies pitching them out to you guys you guys have been coming back hard with them reviews to keep me happy you've been keeping me happy now we closed out with a, a movie i'd never seen before a movie that i only really picked because arrow video put it out last year i want to say question mark on blu-ray and it's been lying there for ages and according to the internet this movie was a horror movie um funnily enough upon watching the movie i would maybe argue that is not what I would class as a horror movie. Yes, it, it dabbles, dabbles in a bit of horror content. In fact, one could say it dips a toe in the horror pond. Puts it in there, realises it's a bit too cold for it, takes it out, does that kind of shivery thing. Ooh, not going to do that again. Yeah, it's not really much of a, a horror movie. If anything, it's a mismatch, a, a kind of hodgepodge, a witch's cauldron of different genres and styles all melded into one. It's probably about as horror as you would call a Gillingham movie, a Terry Gillingham movie, where he dabbles with the elements but never fully commits to the cause. So I know that turnout for this one was low, and I'm going to put it down to that. I'm going to put it down to not the fact that I picked a movie that's not easy to get if you're not in the UK, but um, I'm going to put it down to the fact that maybe, maybe it just wasn't horror enough for the horror crowd and that is cool that is cool this is our last stop here before we turn our attention to asian horror movies i'm really looking forward to this one i have some unconventional af titles picked and some fucking stone cold classics that i'm looking forward to hearing from you guys but i'm getting ahead of myself i'm getting ahead of myself welcome to the halfway mark in the week you've already had two episodes before this one there are two episodes left after this one to close out the week on saturday we will be dropping another bonus episode which will be detailing out the final 50 movies years 95 through 99 for the summer teapots top 10 series looking at the 90s so those final 50 movies will appear there there will also be a blog page that will accompany it listing them all out for those that don't want to write and listen at the same time as well as that there will be a live stream saturday night uk time where we will count down those movies as well so if you are free you want to join me and uh, watch me do some chatting and announcing some movies i will be doing that probably circa about half past nine uk time um at night p.m so those will be coming out and then on sunday we finish out with zombie creeping flesh for the 88 films italian collection series of reviews before swinging into a brand new week kicking off doggy style don't know why i said that there's literally nothing doggy style about mad max beyond thunderdome which we'll be doing on monday as part of our russian roulette franchise retrospective non-genre series looking at the mad max quadrology so there you go Woo! feels good to get all that content off my chest and winging its way to you dear listeners so without any further ado allow me to take a break on what will be a fairly short show you're going to hear promos for shows that i love you're going to hear a little bit of music you're going to hear the trailer for the movie that you guys sent in your reviews for this is a a little movie (laughs) a little lesser known movie called the navigator a medieval odyssey from 1988 directed by vincent ward You guys are going to hear that trailer and then we're going to discuss your thoughts and mine. First time watch for this guy coming right up right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. 
sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
Who dies at Cathedral? And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for this, which will be our Listener Club movie review um, for The Navigator, A Medieval Odyssey from 1988. This movie was selected to close out, like I said at the start there, our Antipodean horror jaunt. We'll be looking at movies exclusively from New Zealand and from Australia over these last, I want to say six episodes, I want to say this is the sixth pick, which means we've been doing it for six months, which is kind of fucking bitching and kind of fucking rad. But yeah, uh, this one was directed by Vincent Ward, a colourful character from New Zealand who was at one time supposed to be the director behind um, Alien 3. And this concept one is is one of those ones that has tantalised fans for, for, well, basically since the news came out about what his plan was, this kind of wooden planet, which was like a monastery and all the rest, which eventually got bastardised and given to Fincher, who has washed his hands of the project entirely. But yeah, Vincent Ward was the first guy to take a run at it, and I can kind of see maybe why people started to get cold feet. Nothing against this movie at all, I really enjoyed it and we'll get to that, but he's a bit out there, he's a bit weird, he's a... actually he's a really fucking good filmmaker, if I'm honest. Um, So yeah, Vincent Ward directed this one, Uh, the synopsis is listed on IMDb for it is Men seeking relief from the Black Death, guided by a boy's vision, dig a tunnel from 14th century England to 20th century New Zealand. So yeah, that was that was the movie we picked. Now, like I say, turnout was unprecedentedly low. Um, this is the least amount of reviews I've had for a movie club, I think, ever. And uh, like I say, I want to say it's because maybe we didn't like lean too much into the horror this time. And I would love to say that, you know, I was trying something new and a bit funky, but legitimately, if you go online and type this movie in, Horror is one of the tags that comes up, and um, it's good to know that even back then the debate of is it or isn't it a horror movie existed. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily class this one a horror movie, even though there are elements that dip into that. And our first review that we're going to read out pretty much leans into that as well. Um, so yeah, uh, the first one came in, well, not the first one chronologically, but the first one I'm going to read is from our good buddy, Don Anelli says, So, once again, another movie club that was nearly impossible to track down, and I have to say, I wish it had been. Sorry man, but I got 40 minutes in and didn't think it was a horror movie at all, and I have a busy enough schedule that I can't question why I'm watching something like this. Intriguing premise, exceptionally well made for what I saw of it, the switch from black and white to colour was really cool, but not a movie for me at this time. When I'm not drowning in screeners and other releases, I'll be sure to give this a full uninterrupted watch. So until then, I can't see much else because I didn't finish and then uh, can't give it anything other than an incomplete. Don, I am over the moon that you sat down to watch this. I will say that, yeah, if you're looking for a horror movie, I know you're a bit of a... and The term horror purist comes out and it, it almost sounds like I'm having a go at you and I really haven't. Uh, I know that you really are just like, if it's not a horror movie, I'm not watching it, which, each to their own, man, I feel that there is a wide array of films out there to experience out with the horror genre, but that being said, this is a horror podcast, so I can understand that in a horror podcast when I'm challenging listeners to watch a horror movie, that if you got 40 minutes into it, we're not feeling the vibe at all, which, like I say, as you go on in the movie, I mean, there's some elements in there, but, you know, you couldn't cold hard stamp this movie as being a horror movie at all. Um, I've got a sneaky suspicion that I've told you that you'll probably never go back to this movie, which I feel is a shame 
because in terms of its ingenuity, in terms of its time period, and in terms of the, the country of its origin, there's a lot in this movie to celebrate in terms of cinema. Um, not only the, the the acting, but just in general, the premise and the execution, I think, is pretty fucking phenomenal. But, like I say, I totally appreciate that. And I want to say thanks very much for giving it a go, and at least let me know that you were giving it a go, as opposed to, and once again, I don't know how many listeners did it, just watched the movie and never told me. So thank you very much for sending that in. Our good buddy Don Nelly never misses a show. Never misses a show. So, um, because that was a, a, an incomplete, it does make me wonder what's going to happen here because the next one I'm going to read is from our good buddy Tim Walker. And Don and Tim are the yin and yang of the listener club. You know, one leans one way, one leans the other way when it comes to their likes and dislikes and the movie picks that I have. So it'll be interesting to see what Tim says. Tim wrote in and wrote, uh, Dear Duncan and Teapots people, all right, well, all the credits roll on The Navigator, A Medieval Odyssey. My mind is racing on what to say. Mixed feelings. I'll start with the negatives. First and foremost, this wasn't a horror film at all. There are elements of the fantastic for sure, psychic visions, foreshadowing of death, time travel, and some kind of bizarre flying Grim Reaper-like thing at one point. It's definitely fantasy, but I can't call it a horror film with a straight face, and I'm sure I'm I'm not the only one that will be, uh, this will be the most common complaint. You are right, you are right, Tim. Also, I was pretty confused by the ending. What was that dream, um, uh, or wasn't it? Sorry, was that a dream or wasn't it? Oh dear, I may have watched this one a few times before I can parse what the fuck was happening in the last 15 minutes or so. That may not be a total negative though, I often enjoy movies that is a riddle to figure out and it takes multiple views. Those are the only really negatives I can think of. Positives, it's beautifully shot, especially the black and white scenes from medieval Europe. Maybe it's just me being an ugly American but I couldn't figure out where the fuck they were supposed to be. Scotland? Wales, the accents were all over the place. I'm sure Duncan and our Scottish friends could tell you the country, region, or maybe which streets in Glasgow the characters were supposed to be from, but I had no fucking clue. Then again, that could also be a positive. Even the, though I was annoyed by the accent, accents, it makes it a kind of fairy tale with characters from a fictionalised medieval Europe, and in that respect, it would be like Mario Bava's The Whip in the Body. The movie combined elements from Russia, Germany, France, Spain, England and Italy. Where was it set? Take your pick. You can make a case for each country. Like that one, you just say it's a fairy tale and that answers all the questions about it. The acting is very strong across the board with the possible exception of the accents. The score was most, uh, mostly an interesting Celtic mix. Uh, and I'm sure some people will say it was too abrasive or distracting, but I quite enjoyed it. The effects were pretty well done. Nothing looked too fake or dated. The camera work was outstanding. Occasionally doing some kind of tracking shots that you would have seen in The Evil Dead or Wolven. Anyway, I hope nobody is too upset about the movie. I know Duncan at least partially picked it because of my itery, uh, irritation with the spate of horror comedies he had been picking. That's not the only reason I know, but I was worried if people didn't like this one, it would be partly my fault. We could have seen what we did in The Shadows, our Peter Jackson movie, um, and we would watch this. That's him saying what the listeners might say. Uh, we'll do our best to back Duncan up on this one. I really dug it. Yeah, it's not really a horror film, but it is a solid movie. I'd never heard of it and would never have seen it otherwise, and I'm surprised that applies to many people listening to this review. Whether you like it or not, this movie is different. One thing that could never be said about The Navigator is that it was a generic or cliched movie. Um, I'm going to come in with 4 out of 5 stars. It could have been even higher if it was more of a horror film and that was my main beef with it. I'm glad Duncan picked it and I'm glad people aren't forgetting about it. Now if someone would put out other forgotten 80s flicks on Blu-ray like Eyes of Fire, that movie is criminally underseen. Well, that brings me to what my favourite New Zealand horror movie is. This is a hard one for me because most of them are horror comedies and I'm generally not a fan. I did really like what we do in the shadows though. I also gave that one a four star rating. So it's neck and neck with this movie. I do give Shadows the edge because it's definitely horror themed and one of those rare horror comedies that I found funny. Do I give The Navigator a medieval odyssey the edge because of its originality and how well it was shot? Tough call, but I'm going to make it now. 
For barring second watches of either movie, I'm going to give The Navigator the medieval odyssey the prize of my favourite Kiwi horror film. Great choice on the movie selection, don't listen to the naysayers, we'll be off to Asia for the next several movie clubs and that should prove interesting since there is a lot of Asian horror I love but some I really, really don't. And some of those are super popular ones. I could go either way. See you then. Take care Duncan and the teapots people. Tim. So yeah, Tim kind of comes down actually very similar to my review when we get to it but there's a lot of it that echoes there but once again the acknowledgement that it's definitely not a horror movie and whilst it does dabble its toe it, you know you're you really are kind of you, you you are playing footloose and fancy free when you start uh, talking about horror in this movie in the same sentence now we are going to close out with a uh, three audio reviews kind of running back to back into each other and then my review kicking up the rear so the order of the reviews that you're going to hear, one by our good buddy David Garrett Jr. Then we're going to have one from our good buddy Rafael Fernandez. And then closing out in traditional fashion before my review, it's Lee Russell from the Must Be Destroyed On Site Horror Podcast. Well, it's a horror podcast, it's a genre podcast. It's a bit of everything and that's why I fucking so here we go kicking off with David Garrett Jr and then like I say Rafael Fernandez Lee Russell three back to back coming at you right now hey there Duncan and T-Putz listeners it's David Garrett Jr back again for June's movie club challenge uh, this month was another one that I had never seen or actually even heard of before um, when I started to do a bit of background research to find a copy of this I definitely became intrigued with the concept and the things that I kind of found um, well here are my thoughts on the navigator a medieval odyssey the first that really struck me was that I'm a sucker for period pieces, especially ones that are done correctly. I like the idea that this village is terrified of the plague and actually think that it's on their way to infect them. They don't understand like we do today about bacteria, viruses, and things of this effect. So they literally think that there is a demon entity that is going to bring it to their village when the foon fully rises. I like seeing people when science wasn't advanced enough to understand the truth. Their plan to get away is actually from a boy in the village's dream. Um, his name is Griffin, um, and no one actually believes him at first until his older brother Connor returns and tells them of what is coming. Their idea is that by digging through the earth to the other side, they can hopefully find safety. I found this intriguing as they think that the earth is flat. And what makes it even better is that they enter a time uh warp almost to come out to modern day New Zealand. Um, this is another idea we don't see a whole lot of people from the past coming to the present, um, especially where things are very much different like they are here. Now I do get what you mean as well Duncan about people not necessarily finding this to be horror. I did find enough in it that you could possibly put it in that realm so it definitely is adjacent. Um, first you have the fear of the death from the plague, the not understanding of what illness and the creature they believe that is going to bring it to them. There's also the fear of the world that they find themselves in coming through the tunnel. I mean even in our day and age, technology moves so much quicker so coming from 14th century England all the way to present day New Zealand because um, things are going to be drastically different. Now there is the pretentious side of me that loves all of the allegories and the concepts of this film that it is presenting. The way the story comes through is it isn't overly exciting. It is the type of film that we kind of just have to sit there and just watch everything as, it, as you experience it. Not to say that I found it boring. The story did feel like it was following a kind of just set formula, but then at the climax I like where it took it with the twist and then show us that this is all a story that Griffin was telling everybody, and then the reveal that Connor actually had the plague and that he probably spread it to the village is something that I was really on board for. Now, the acting for the film I thought was pretty solid. I did feel that the pressure they were putting on Griffin was a little bit much, especially with his age. Um, but him having visions and the village is following what he is saying, I can understand how they're really depending on him. And let's be honest here, at the time that this film was taking place, he's pretty much in his middle age um, and is kind of nearing the end of his life anyways. And Surly um, was another one that was putting a lot of pressure on him, but once you kind of learn some of his backstory and some of the trauma he endured, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. Now with that said, this was a film that I did end up enjoying. There is something about 
that I feel like it is missing to really put it over the top for me, but it does have some concepts that I really enjoyed. I would say that my rating for this one on the Netflix scale would be between a 3 and a 3.5, but since I'm feeling generous, I'll go with the higher number as a 3.5. As to my favorite horror film from New Zealand, this is another country that was a bit underseen for me at the moment. Looking through a list of my films that I've seen and rated, I think that I have to go with the generic answer and say Dead Alive or Brain Dead, depending on um, what area you are from, as my favorite from this area at this time. I will say, though, Deathgasm is right there, and with another viewing could possibly end up being that, because I did have a lot of fun there. Um, thank you yet again, Duncan, for doing these. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this film, as well as the other listeners. As always, I uh, can't wait for next month and see what that will bring us as well. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. Yes, Admiral. Our ships have sighted the Millennium Falcon Lord, but it has entered an asteroid field and we cannot risk... Asteroids do not concern me, Admiral. What is it, General? My Lord, it's time for Raphael's movie clip review. Let me say I love the Navigator. It's a five for me. I love this so much I recommend it to my mother, thinking she would appreciate the religious message of the film. You know the response I got back? What drugs were they on when they made this movie? God bless moms. So that's to say I expect to be in the minority on this one, but that's alright. First off, I love the adventure itself. Miners from 14th century Britain tunnel through the earth and come out the far side into 20th century Auckland, New Zealand, on a mission to make an offering at the greatest church in Christendom in return for God's grace to spare their village from the horrors of the Black Plague. Guided by their teenage prophet Griffin, our motley band of medieval amigos must brave the unexpected and unfamiliar to achieve their goal before death comes with the dawn. The imaginative and mythical aspect of tunneling through the earth in time as well reminded me of a Terry Gilliam film. And coincidentally, Baron Munchausen was released the same year as this film. But even with that fantasy premise, the story was still intimate and character-focused. I love the characters. Like a good war movie, which their mission resembled, each of the personalities of the Cumbrians was unique, but complemented each other as a group. Their performances were a range of good to great. In particular, Hamish McFarlane as Griffin was a very good child actor. I like that Searle, despite his surly demeanor, displayed genuine affection for his brother and his companions. And on his brother, Ulf was the most congenial to me. Though left behind early on in the journey, with some ingenuity and his tunneling skills, he managed to salvage a portion of his personal mission. It was a truly heartwarming episode. Following these guys around was more entertaining to me than the Fellowship of the Ring. Even though the writing was a bit hokey in their major scene, I liked the three wise men, the three foundry workers. Despite going through a stressful period, they were due to be laid off. They were upbeat and positive. And though reluctant at first to render aid to our heroes, quickly became enthusiastic allies in their quest. They reminded me of the kind of characters you'd seen in a movie geared for youngsters, but I was glad to have them in this film. P.S. Related to biblical numbers, the fact that there are six heroes likely has Christian significance. According to BibleStudy.org, the number six is related to human weakness, and boy does that fit in with the message of this film. More on that later. The cinematography was great. There were times, like when the group was in their tunnel, when I couldn't tell that the film was shot in the 80s. It looked that good. Also, I liked the stylistic choice to show the Cumbrian's tunneling progress in profile like an ant farm. According to Wikipedia, Vincent Ward also has a strong interest in painting, and those shots indicated the influence of an artist's eye. The music was also wonderfully unconventional, with a lot of traditional instruments and vocals throughout, although they did seemingly rip off Argento's Deep Red at a few points. 
The Navigator also defied my expectations. I had expected the film's tone to change after our heroes transitioned from the 14th to the 20th century, where they would be depicted as backwards or inferior for being ignorant of modern culture. I expected that the allies they'd meet would educate them on how to adapt to the 20th century. In fact, I wouldn't have been surprised to see a comic montage sequence of them trying on clothes, eating fast food, or operating modern gadgets. Hi, this is the vegetable group. Vegetable group. Oh, damn that. Oh, put them on a pedestal, bro. Look at that. Yeah. That's a kill, huh? Meat group! Instead, the Cumbrians were depicted as reasonable, resourceful, and independent, assimilating new experiences and information into their own cosmology. And I don't think they were ever made aware that they'd travel into the future. To them, Auckland was so fantastic because it was God's city. Anything flat's got two sides. And, and, and if the evil was our side, then, then surely God's goodness is on this one. Irony to spare. Which leads me to the message. The Cumbrian's physical journey was also a spiritual one, promoting faith as a remedy to existential anxiety or mortality fears. The Grim Reaper motif was repeated in medieval and modern scenes. Death, like our heroes, transcends time. The calamity of the Black Plague was compared to the menaces of the Cold War and the AIDS epidemic. I had to research the video that was playing featuring the Grim Reaper, and it turns out it was a memorable AIDS awareness advert that would have been well known to an Australian audience. The comparison between two diseases is obvious, but I got the sense that what all three of these crises had in common is the fear they produced. Not stopped. It could kill more Australians than World War II. And fear, if it gets the better of us, brings out the worst in us, which was on display in the medieval boat attack scene. That scene was one of the earliest where I got a sense that I think I'm going to love this film. Scared villagers sending a boatload of old men, women, and children to their doom was as dark a scene as could be found in an actual horror movie. We see the consequences of a world where people are so fearful of the other that the healthy have built a big, beautiful wall of men, poles, and fire arrows against them. Even though the film was written for a 1988 audiences, lessons on human compassion are timeless. For some reason, the black and white photography and the menace of the black death in the medieval scenes reminded me of 1957's The Seventh Seal. And after revisiting Bergman's film after many years, there are enough thematic similarities between it and The Navigator that I'd happily program them as a double feature. I especially think that the scene in The Seventh Seal where the robber character begs to be consoled while he dies pairs well with that boat attack scene, both depicting compassion as another casualty of the times. So this should come as no surprise. The Navigator, a medieval odyssey, gets a five from me. Okay, favorite New Zealand horror film. I'll go with What We Do in the Shadows. It's a great horror comedy that is respectful of the traditions of the vampire subgenre while introducing its own novel storytelling. Highly recommended. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to what Asia has in store for us. Besides a trade war. Okay, Duncan and T-Puts Movie Club. We are looking at our last movie in this little excursion to New Zealand and Australia. And it is The Navigator. A medieval odyssey from 1988. A movie I had never heard of once again. So uh, thank you for that, Duncan. Yet again, giving me something new to check out. Uh, this was done by Vincent Ward, which immediately sparked my interest because uh, he has made some interesting films. One of those directors who seem to always have a lot of promise and maybe fell a little short, but uh, I do remember that he was the original director for Alien 3, and he had this idea of all these monks and a... Uh, wooden planet and all kinds of bizarre shit and he eventually walked off the project or was fired or something along those lines so anyway that's not this movie so what did I think of this uh, first off it's not a horror film at least not all the way through there's definitely some horrific elements sp sort of sprinkled in here uh, the end of the film is definitely fairly horror influenced in a way um but this is much more uh, surrealist art film at times. Um, almost like a... Maybe it's just because it's sort of the medieval costuming and, and stuff like that. But there's a bit of a pinch of uh, Terry Gilliam in this. 
maybe without as much whimsy and uh, humor. Um, I will say, though, at the very least, it felt far more original than I expected it to be. Uh, the opening stuff and closing stuff here, the sort of bleak, medieval, uh, Cumbria footage set in black and white is beautiful and striking and sad and I actually wanted more of that out of this film as I was getting into it because then it it takes a turn to a uh, sort of sci-fi fantasy mashup Um, there's the little horror elements here sprinkled in more more so for the protagonist than anything else because to them a lot of the things they encounter when they show up in 1988 New Zealand um, are just downright horrific to them. Like the sensory overload they must be experiencing after being isolated in a village for their entire lives in England somewhere, barely surviving, is uh, it must have been a culture shock. You know, you know. I'm, I'm speaking as if these people were real. Uh, it is a cult- culture shock for these characters. Um, almost like a literal hell, really, when you think about it. Like, just, just the way the world works is just totally different. Like, uh, one person makes a comment about how they dug through the earth and came out the other side, and it is almost like their world is just flipped on its head. It's, it's just totally turned over. Um, so, these are God-fearing folk. Uh, a lot of the sort of subtext seems to be digging into... Uh, putting maybe a little too much stock and belief in stories, um, you know, trying to put aside the the real problems in your life by uh, living in a fantasy world, basically, uh, because by the end, and I think the end is, in some ways, kind of cheats us. Um, turns out more that the sort of story he tells and the visions he has are that they didn't really happen, but they still sort of tell what is to come. Um, they, they're still warnings to this uh, young protagonist. But um, it, it doesn't quite all come together for me. It just, their adventure into the earth and out the other side into uh, 1988 New Zealand lacks a lot of... Um, Lacks, lacks a lot of adventure, really. And I mean, I guess it's it's a very small-budgeted film. It's kind of be to be expected, I guess, that uh, the director wanted a more deep and artistic approach here. Uh, so you, you don't get, really get that sort of Terry Gilliam adventure kind of thing going on here. It's just very matter-of-fact. There's very little dramatic tension, I feel. Um, I feel like the, the villagers aren't suitably scared of the Black Death coming their way. They, they seem to take it a little too rationally for who they are supposed to be and what time they're supposed to be living in, I think. Um, so, I don't think a lot, like, a lot of the middle portion of this film really works for me all that well. Um, but it is a visually striking and atmospheric film. Um, and... I did enjoy it for the most part. I enjoyed looking at it. The score is often quite great. Uh, it varies from different things. Some of the stuff comes off a little Monty Python-esque, which doesn't quite fit this, but that's fine. Whatever. It's a minor, very, very minor complaint. Um, I guess I could probably imagine that this film might connect with uh, more spiritual people and uh, believers in a god or whatever, uh, there's probably some meanings in here that I'm not picking up on because I just don't care about that stuff. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I'd say it's got some missed opportunities. Uh, I, I'd say that a little bit of it, it feels a little too convoluted. This might just be the fact that I only watched it once, so I maybe didn't pick up on everything, which is, I think, to be expected. But um, overall, I enjoyed it, but not enough to say it's like great or anything like that. Um, So I'm going to sit this firmly at 3 out of 5 on the Netflix scale. And there we go. We're done. Uh, Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, T-Puts Movie Club, for listening. And I look forward to seeing what comes next. Goodbye.
So there we go, a trio of sexy reviews. Thanks very much to David Garrett Jr., Rafael Fernandez, and um, our good buddy, our good buddy Lee Russell for submitting those reviews. And um, yeah, I, I kind of echo pretty much everyone's review. It's weird. Uh, well, this might be one of those rare occasions where we kind of all have synced up for the most part. And yeah, it kind of feels like I'm just going to be re- reiterating a lot of what you guys have actually said. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I thought it, it was shot beautifully. The cinematography is absolutely fucking wicked in this movie. And I actually really enjoyed the acting as well. I know what Tim was saying about the accents didn't necessarily bother me as much. But yeah, because there is that kind of fantastical fairy tale aspect about the movie... You know, it's not something that I lingered too much over at all. And no, I can't exactly pinpoint where in the UK those accents are supposed to be from. Um, somewhere in England, I believe. But yeah, I, I, I'd be lying if I said, like, my my ear for dialect just in general is pretty shit. As you've heard from me trying to pronounce foreign names. Can't do it. Can't do it at all. And that's including English. That's really including English. Um, I love the the kind of black and white shot footage I think it's fucking great I, I, you will always get prop points for me if you shoot your movie in black and white even if it's only for a part I love that um, in fact the night of this recording I was watching Blade of the Immortal again the Takashi Miki movie and um, yeah I keep forgetting that that movie starts for like the first 10 minutes in black and white and the transition into colours kind of fucking bitching and I love it I love the the, the kind of black and white imagery. I actually really enjoy the story just in general. I know what Lee was saying about this movie kind of not necessarily being as adventurous as this sort of movie should be from not only the tag line and the name of the movie but just generally the premise. But um, there was something quite somber about it which kind of grounded it for me. Um, it does have that Gillingham-esque sort of quality but I think sometimes Gillingham, and I do love his stuff, I think he has a tendency to push things to levels of complete absurdity and that's kind of what makes him awesome but I would have felt that we would be maybe complaining that it was a bit too much Terry Gillingham if this movie had done it so I thought the balance was quite good that being said I will agree I did kind of like the ending but I did feel it was kind of a cop out I don't like that it was all a dream or it was a story we were telling you or those sort of endings for me the kind of deus ex machina sort of idea of a an ending at times can be very frustrating. Um, I liked it, I didn't love the ending, but I enjoyed the journey up to it. I thought the acting was super solid as well, and uh, the the kind of visual, striking visual images of the Grim Reaper were really, really, really well done. I loved the concept, I thought the concept was very well done, and the goofiness of this being a kind of 80s movie, there's no doubt in my mind that a movie like Time Bandits has an effect in this one. And I hadn't actually twigged, like Raphael was saying, that um, The Adventures of Barman and Chosen that had come out the same year, which is just weird. That, that kind of blows my mind. Uh, that's another movie that I think is woefully underrated. A movie I saw like about a million times as a kid. Um, I, would I ever watch this movie if Arrow had put it out? I, well, I'd never heard of it, and I bought it blind on Arrow's kind of label because that's what I do, I tend to compulsively buy what they put out and it's kind of lay there for months and months and months so it kind of segued in I totally agree with what every single person including Don has said this movie to me is not a horror movie yes it dabbles with elements but I'd really struggle that is not to say that there are a couple of scenes which are you know just when you think about it kind of horrific in nature what certainly happens to the characters at times could be classed as horror but the impact on the audience is not the same from my point of view so it's definitely not in that realm when it comes to grading the movie i come down with a super solid four i like i thought this was really good and i really liked it i will watch this one again uh, i've got a whole ton of special features that i can't wait to dig into and uh yeah Vincent Ward's the real deal, he's a great director and this is a movie that I actually feel is one of those great cases for yeah, if you're going to start putting things in Blu-ray and they're going to be obscure, give me this sort of shit um, because, you know, there are certain movies which I feel just never had an impact over here and this is one of those movies that maybe does find a new audience and a new appreciation in 2019 so thanks to everyone who checked out the movie, submitted a review um, you guys make this show go round and yeah, you were all right the next stop is Asia and things are gonna get cray cray I'm going to close out the show and I'm gonna do it right after this You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs.
And you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs. This has been bonus episode 171. It was Challenge Teapots June 2019. A little bit of movie club swinging your way with Navigator um, from uh, 1990, no, 1988. I keep wanting to call this one just The Navigator, but that's a different movie, isn't it? It's like Flight of the Navigator or something. Uh, this is The Navigator, a medieval odyssey. Thanks, everyone, for submitting a review. Uh, I will make sure the next pick is definitely horror and with no ambiguity at all. Uh, and that might be a good thing or it might be a bad thing. We will find out in the full course of time. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to feed that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue, as well as leaving us a rating and a review, which is the best way to support us on that platform. You can check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play and the TuneIn app, as well as Spotify. Come to our website, it's tputzcast.com. If you want to buy some cool merch like posters or enamel pins, that money coming back to support our show, it's tputzcast.bigcartel.com. If you want to come across to Facebook, we're in two places. If you want to interact with other listeners, chat about movies and all that jazz, that's the group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. If you're only interested as and when the shows drop, occasionally checking out a live stream or a Thursday Thursday, you can do that by going to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can reach out and touch me and Baz and the Twin Prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeaputsCast. The podcast on the stairs will return this Saturday when we'll be announcing the final 50 movies from 1995 through 1999 for the Summer Teaputs Top 10 series that will drop on Saturday. So get yourself ready for that show drop And Like I said before, there will also be a blog page listing them all out as well as a little live stream, a kind of late Thursday, Thursday kind of saturated Saturday uh, where we'll go into all those movies for you guys to check out yeah but until then wherever you are what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours please take care of yourselves out there this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off (laughs) 